WVUAFM, Tuscaloosa. Hello, everybody. This is WVUA 90.7 FM, the Capstone, and welcome to episode number 53 of the Full Court Press Podcast. My name is Jamie Martinez, and I'm joined by Alex Chasen, just Alex Chasen. No Nick today, he's off going home to South Carolina for fall break. We do miss him, and this podcast is for you, my brother. To stay up to date, make sure to follow us on Instagram at fcppodcast underscore UA. With that being said, let's jump right into it. Jumping right into it, the NBA season starts tonight, October 24th. Yippee! You're listening to this on October 25th. So y'all already know the outcome of the Los Angeles Lakers versus the Denver Nuggets, the Phoenix Suns versus the Golden State Warriors, and Jamie, awesome. I'm going to step on what we agreed to before the show saying we won't give predictions. Yeah. How about this? Let's just give predictions, and if we're wrong or we're right, we're wrong or we're right. Because okay. obviously the outcome has already come out by this point. But let's start off with the Lakers heading to Denver, the Mile High City, to face the Denver Nuggets, and little quick note here this will be two years in a row lebron james has attended a ring ceremony last year's game one of the season right 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 last year's game one of the season the lakers versus the golden state warriors the warriors got their rings this year lebron is attending without a choice the nuggets ceremony because that is who they are facing so let's start off with this game lakers at nuggets who is winning the first game of the 23-24 nba season the first game of the 2023 20, to 24 season is going to the Denver Nuggets, the reigning champions. It's in mile high, and I don't see a reason why the Nuggets could lose this game. I really like the additions that the Lakers made. However, the Nuggets are on a hot streak. Nikola Jokic just came out and said that nothing is more important to him than basketball. That is insane to hear from that guy who looks like basketball is his part-time job behind horse racing. Right on. So Jokic to say that, that's a pretty big deal. So I think he's out to win another MVP. Um, and I think this could be another Nuggets here, even with the terrifying Celtics out in the Eastern Conference. So I think the Nuggets get it going early against a very stacked Lakers team in the first game of the season. So I completely agree on the long-term mindset of Jokic could be, I think he will be the MVP winner this season. But game one, I don't like the Nuggets bench. Wow. I do not like the Nuggets bench. I'm going with the Lakers. They lost Bruce Brown. That's a key piece. And with the new CBA, it's not like everyone's bench is going to be great, but you cannot afford those pieces you have. They lost Bruce Brown. And now guys like Christian Brown are supposed to take a major step up where he had a solid role last year, but he was nothing major. They also lost Jeff Green, who played a huge role in their championship run. Uncle Jeff. Where are the Lakers? They... not exploited, but they used the CBA and did everything they could to make a really good team. And I think they did that to the fullest. So I think when it comes to depth on depth in game one, playoffs, Jokic, Murray, MPJ, Aaron Gordon, that team is going to crush a lot of a lot of teams. But I think game one tonight, I got to go with the Lakers. That's a hot take. I like that. Maybe a little bit. In Denver? I don't care where it is. Yeah. I just, their depth is, in my opinion, coming into game one, amazing. And I think it's going to work out right now in game one. We'll Mm -hmm. see what happens as the season goes on. But game one, I think the Lakers, it's going to be a huge advantage for them to start off the season. For sure. Game two of the night of opening night, the Phoenix Suns at Golden State versus the Warriors. May not seem like, oh, this is a weird matchup. I'm off the whole Kevin Durant to Golden State. Like, that was forever ago. That's like so 2018, you know? (laughs) Why why, why is this still like a big rivalry matchup night Mm -hmm. one? But with that said, it's still a rivalry matchup night one in the NBA. The new look Phoenix Suns without Bradley Beal, that was reported a few hours ago. No Bradley wow. Beal. So just Book, mm-hmm. Narkic, KD. So it's still a new look team. Grayson mm-hmm. Allen, another new guy on the roster. First the Golden State Warriors without Jordan Poole, but they got Chris Paul. Who you got? I'm going to take the Phoenix Suns in this one against Golden State. It's going to be a rocking crowd for the Warriors. However, they have KD, and he knows how to silence a crowd. He's done it many times before, and I think he's going to do it again today. Even without Bradley Beal, you're getting a relatively similar Suns team as to last year, which is why I don't think there's going to be any chemistry issues going into this Nurkic, game with Bradley no. Beal. Nurkic is a little different, but I don't think he's going to be as big as a, of a chemistry disruptor as, say, Bradley Beal would be because mm-hmm. that's kind of three ball-dominant guys on the yeah, roster. Okay. Nurkic will spread the ball around he knows his role but then you can bring in Grayson Allen he's a fantastic defender off the bench 
I just really like what the Suns have done in the offseason, and I think KD puts up a solid stat line alongside Devin Booker and take out the Warriors day one. See, for me, I'm a huge hater on the Warriors offseason. Yeah. But at home, game one, and you have three guys with the utmost chemistry, Clay, Curry, and Dre, I got to go with Golden State. Mm-hmm. So maybe two hot takes for me today with the Lakers and Warriors. Not two upsets. Pa- two upsets. You definitely upsets on paper. But I got to go with the Warriors. And I'm a huge hater of their offseason. I've said it before in every facet of media, from Twitter to my YouTube channel to here on this podcast, I hate that they traded away Jordan Poole, and I will stick with that for this as long as I time goes on. But I think the Warriors can do it at home. Yeah. I like Chris Paul. Not Jordan Poole, but I do like him. As much as I hate on the trade, I do like Chris Paul. And I think at home, in game one, without Bradley Beal, and they're still trying to figure out the whole team. Kevin Durant only played eight or nine regular season games with, with the Suns. Mm-hmm. I will say, though, he is has no losses. Yeah, they're undefeated. In the regular season yeah. with Kevin Durant. So we'll see how that carries over into this regular. Remember, they go 82-0. Yeah, that would be crazy. Yeah, yeah. Kevin, Kevin Durant never gets a loss as a Phoenix Sun in the regular season. But, yeah, I'm going to go with the Golden State Warriors at home. If this was in Phoenix, I'd go with the Suns, but it's not. And I think the Warriors have one of the biggest home court advantages. Definitely. And on top of that, they have three guys who are used to playing together, and they also have home court. So mm-hmm. give me the Warriors and the Lakers tonight. Moving on to some contract extensions that were signed before the deadline yesterday. Has to be done before the season starts. And there's a few key guys, starting off with Anthony Edwards. That was, I guess that was throughout the offseason. Lamella Ball, Tyrese Hall- Halliburton. But the recent ones that happened before the deadline yesterday, one of them being Aaron Neesmith. There's obviously some bigger ones. Jamie, you can butt in if you got some ones you want to talk about. But I want to talk about Aaron Neesmith because... He was drafted by the Celtics a few years ago, didn't really have a role. He goes to Indiana, finds his spot, finds himself landing in the starting unit a few times throughout last year, and he earned himself a rookie extension for three years, $33 million. Another player who did that same thing, Cole Anthony, really found his role as a really, really good six-man. I think that's what his peak might be. I don't really see him being a starting point guard, especially with the abundance of point guards in Orlando. Three years, $39 million. Other guys like Josh Green, three years, $41 million, got those rookie extensions. You want to talk about who? I want to talk about Jaden McDaniels out in Minnesota for the Timberwolves. He has really been one of the most surprising players out of this draft class, the 28th pick in 2020, and he has absolutely blossomed into being one of the best role players or starters in the NBA. It's a, there's a lot of talent on that Timberwolves roster when you're talking about Anthony Edwards, who could make that MVP leap this year. Rudy Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns down low. But Jaden McDaniels has solidified himself as a a quintessential piece to that Timberwolves roster. He's one of the top defenders in the NBA. He can get you 20 points a night. I think he's a huge candidate for most improved uh, this year. He could really do it all for the Timberwolves. I love that deal. Five years, $136 million. I think he's worth every penny. He brings it all. 3 and D. He can facilitate for himself. I love Jaden McDaniels. See, I, I would say it's an overpay, but with the new CBA, it kind of works out, I would exactly. say. Exactly. But look, look at the, let's just listen to the difference here. Someone who was drafted with the 14th pick in that same draft, Aaron Neesmith, is only getting $33 million over three years. Mm-hmm. And then you got Jaden McDaniels for $136 million, $100 million, $103 million more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for two more years, but still, the difference <clears throat> there is just insane. And Jaden McDaniels only averaged 12 points per game, five assists, four assists. You know, but his, it's really his defense. He had a phenomenal preseason. I was watching those Timberwolves games, especially early against the Mavericks. He was the one that was turning games around. He was blocking every shot. He was contesting everything. I love what McDaniels brings to the court, and I really love the signing. I think he has to prove to me he's worth that much money. A little bit more than to you, yeah, Nick. Yeah, for sure. Not to speak for Nick, but I know he's a big McDaniels fan as well. To finish this off, there's a flip side to this. There's some notable players who didn't sign extensions, and there's some reasons for that. Maybe they want to wait for more money in the offseason, or maybe they want to see what their market is in the offseason, or whatever the case may be. But I'd say the biggest name here is Tyrese Maxey. Yeah, for sure. 21st overall pick in the 2020 draft. All all these guys are from the 2020 draft class because they're all up for their rookie extensions now. But Tyrese Maxey, what do you think his play here is with with this? (laughs) 
This one's weird. He's one of the top players in this 2020 class. It's a very stacked class when you look at For it. Sure. But Tyrese Maxey is definitely in that A to S tier of guys in this class. He's, he's one of the, the best, one notable. of the best young guards in the NBA. He's the best for not getting a, for not doing a contract. Yeah, I would say it's him, and then I think Emmanuel Quickly is pretty high up there too. James Wiseman. Yeah, Wiseman. But uh, Maxey to me is above the rest. He's one of the best young guards in the NBA. He could shoot. He could drive to the basket like no other. He was an All Star before his injury last year. Um, I like what Maxey brings to the core, and it's pretty confusing considering the Sixers are a great roster. Um, maybe he wants to go to his own team, kind of have a bigger role. I don't role. think it's that. I, I just know. think he's – He wants more money? Maybe. And I feel like it's one of those things where let's just see what happens with James Harden yeah. and how this franchise is heading. I don't think he's going to leave, though. I think he's going to get his money because if James Harden's out of the picture, it's him and Joel's team. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's more Joel's team because he's the MVP, former MVP, but – I think he's a great addition to Joel Embiid for the long run. Yeah. And then yesterday, we were, you know, it was there was some questions. I think it was ma- mostly made-up questions, but, well, Giannis, is he going to go into next offseason and want out and want to go somewhere else? Well, no. He signed a three-year, $186 million max, maximum contract extension with, of course, the Milwaukee Bucks. He is locked up. And on top of that, he can get locked up again in 2026 for another four-year extension with the Milwaukee Bucks because of the new CBA. You can double up on contracts with a certain time period. But, Jamie, Giannis is telling the Milwaukee Bucks that Damian Lillard was enough to keep him happy. For sure. Giannis, uh, everybody knows Giannis Antetokounmpo, one of the best players, not just in the NBA today, but possibly of all time. He is one of the most dominant. And there was a lot of questions surrounding if he wanted to stay in Milwaukee, and the Bucks made a huge deal to acquire Damian Lillard in the offseason, one of the top point guards in the NBA. And I'm sure uh, he, he heard that, and that was enough for him to sign the extension. That's a lot of money, and I think he's going to be worth every penny. Um, I mean, come on, he's one of the top two players in the NBA. I, I love this signing for the Bucks. They, they retain their star. He's not going to L.A. or the Bulls or whatever he wanted to do. Uh, Giannis is a Buck, and I like to see that. Definitely for sure. Moving on. This is, this is a little different. We never really talk about shoes, per se. Yeah. But Nike assigned 13 rookies to their rookie shoe deals. Looking at this list, Jamie, I'll name them off. Are there any surprises? Now, this is not for their own signature shoe, but this is just being, like, an ambassador for the brand, like, you know, being sponsored mm-hmm. by Nike. Of course, Victor Rubinyama makes sense. Brandon Miller makes sense. The Thompson Twins make sense. Anthony Black, sure. He was a lottery pick. But then guys like Kobe Brown, I mean, Bilal Kable was a lottery pick. Yeah, he was in the top seven, I think. Yeah, he's a lottery pick, but not like the biggest name. Yeah, Bilal Kalabali, he was a Victor Webanyama teammate, so nobody's going to really know who he is considering he was in Webanyama's shadow. But I hope he can na- make a name for himself. But then there's other guys on here like Keontae George, Casey like Wallace. That. I love Casey Wallace. But this is their rookie shoe deal class. Yeah, it's weird. I'm looking at other names here, like Olivier Maxence Prosper. Uh, he was a little lower down in the first round for the Mavericks, alongside Derek Lively, who was also a rookie that got signed for the Mavericks. Um, not sure why they go with two Mavericks there when there's some other rookies out there that could have gotten deals like Scoot Henderson, uh, who's not in this class and was the second overall pick. He might get so, a, he might be get a bigger one from somewhere else. Yeah, maybe. Um, but yeah, there's some definitely surprises here, but they're really just you know kind of banking on at least one of these lower guys to make a, a splash in the league and kind of pay off, you know. I, I like it, giving these young guys a chance. And then my final piece of news, which isn't exactly news, it's more of a question for us to talk about <clears throat> before we get into your news, is the City Edition jerseys have dropped. And since we're on a podcast, there's really no point to discuss them because the listeners won't know. They can't see it. They can't see it. They won't know what we're talking about. So I came up with this question. And we've talked about this with Nick, you, and I as just in our apartment as friends. Should Nike make a new jersey, City Edition jersey, every year? Why? Why or why not? No. Um, they're coming out with new City Edition jerseys every year right now. And the ones this year, in my opinion, have been the most disappointing of all time. Um, there's a few hits out there for Nike City Edition jerseys. Like uh, Houston has a good one. Detroit has a good one. But, I mean, I've been extremely disappointed with a lot of these jerseys and how they've looked they're just they're really plain or they make no sense or they're just flat out ugly like uh the clippers one i know nick was a big fan of them but they kind of reminded me of a ripoff of the 2000s wizards jerseys um so I, i think they should make one really good design that everybody can agree is good and stick with that for 
maybe four or five, six years. Um, but one a year is not it, especially when you have uh, one team really likes this jersey, everybody's cool with it, and now you're getting rid of it. I can agree with that. I think maybe five or six years might be too long because on the business side of it, something new, people are going to buy it. That's exactly what I was going to bring up. It's going to bring more money every time. It brings more money. No matter how much most of us hate it, I'm still probably going to buy one. Mm -hmm. But with that said, I agree every year is too much because there's some Celtics ones that I've loved, I've bought them, and the team never wears them again. What do you think about this year's? I think they're all right. The Celtics like to keep it simplistic just sure. because of the culture and the history. They don't really have to go too outlandish because they don't need to. They're going to make mm -hmm. money either way because it's the Boston Celtics. Same thing for the Lakers. The Lakers ones, I feel like, were a little different for them. They're weird. They're a little weird. But I will say I could go with every two years. Yeah, two I think, or three. I think two or three years is the prime number there where I think it's a good – time span to be like all right so for these next two or three years let's see what they're liking them let's see what we can change and see what other because it's really each city edition jersey is about the culture of the city mm -hmm. so that's why they're each unique to the city themselves or the culture of the team so i do like that aspect but it's impossible to figure out what to add or what to make different in a year every single year yeah i, get, I get a lot of the themes behind some of them like the kings this year is a nod to the the kansas city royals and the old sacramento kings and the oscar robertson days and um the lakers one is a nod to the minneapolis lakers in their current colorway but uh, there's not a point in doing it every year it's too much i completely agree there yeah so uh, let's jump into my news segment for this uh this week and I have a bit of a weird one. It's not necessarily news, but it's it's definitely a story. And I have the reason why James Harden showed up to camp. I saw this on a little video on TikTok, and it really it really captured my attention. In the new CBA agreement that was agreed to this year, there is a rule that states if a player does not show up to training camp, the team fully owns that player's rights. Once that team owns the rights to a player, the player can no longer go to a different team ever unless that team relinquishes their rights. With that being said, Harden showed up to camp for a few days because he had to avoid that, that right. entire rule uh, to get around this rule, and now he has a free reign to sit out until he gets his trade wish. So as long as a player shows up to training camp at some point for a certain amount of time, they can kind of get around this rule in that CBA agreement. So Harden, he showed up, he did his time, and now he can go out and I guess sit out and wait for that trade. So I know everybody was like, oh, Harden's at camp now. This is big. He's a 76er. Harden was kind of playing with everybody. He he was thinking two steps ahead. He got around the CBA deal uh, rule, and now now he just, it's a waiting game. I got two things for that. One yeah. of them, I did a bunch of research on that exact thing this summer. So that was very cool to mm -hmm. listen to that again. And cause I, I thought it was you had to play a game in the regular season. No, uh, it's you, training you, camp. You just saw it before. You've seen it a lot earlier than me. Yeah. So, second thing is James Harden is going to get fined. Oh, for sure. So, either way, you're right with this whole rule thing, but I saw from Woj today when I was making breakfast that it's around $300,000 per game. Mm -hmm. He can get fined by the team if they want to. The reason right now James Harden is out per Woj, and that they said he said that the team, they're going to, try to give him the benefit of the doubt is personal reasons. Total BS in my opinion. I do not think it's personal reasons. The team can say they believe him, but we know his motives. You just explained yeah. what he was doing. And or you explained what we all believe he was probably doing with the new CBA. He just had to show up, show his face for a few days so he, that whole rule didn't come down on him. But I think that I just don't see him getting traded. I mean, if he's going to continue sitting out games, Daryl Morey, the, the general manager, can hold him out for as long as he wants and keep stacking up those fines on James Harden. Uh, Harden has all the money in the world. He can pay a lot of them. But at some point, he's going to have to break. Um, so I think they're really going to need to be blown away by a deal if they're going to trade him. Um, and I know there's a bunch of talks going on with the Clippers, and the but Clippers I, aren't wanting to make a deal I right now. I heard they've stopped. They, they don't want. Yeah. Like, it's just not enough. Because they're not wanting to give up man and then the picks. Well, also for the Sixers, like, that's just not enough. Yeah. Uh, so it, it's weird. I'm not sure what team's going to come up with a deal right now. Maybe James Harden says, you know what, let's go to China, because he says he loves it out there, and he knows he can make money out there too. So that would be, be very interesting. It, he just retires. It would be very weird. That would be crazy. Um, but moving on, we have some pretty 
devastating news. Steven Adams, Grizzlies. It seemed like someone died. Yeah, uh, <laughs> he, he didn't die, but Steven Adams, one of the most lovable players in the NBA, uh, the Australian Aquaman, is going under season New ending. New Zealand. New Zealand, eh, same thing. They both got accents. Is undergoing season ending injury. Uh, according to the Memphis Grizzlies, the veteran center was unable to get his knee in the right shape through rehab and will now be going through surgery to resolve that per Sham Sharania. So that is something you really hate to see. One of the most lovable players in the NBA. Steven Adams had a pretty big role for that Grizzlies team last year. I uh, looked through some statistics and they had a much higher win percentage with Steven Adams playing than they did without him. Uh, so this sucks to see. He missed a lot of last season with that knee injury. Couldn't get it fixed through rehab and now he has to have another surgery on it. Sounds like Lonzo Ball's issues. Exactly. Different issues, but it sounds like just not fixing the knee problem the first time, and then it gets worse the second time. Yeah, you just hate to see it. You do, especially for someone who, he's not as old as he looks, but he's <clears throat> getting older for the amount of years he's been in the league. Mm-hmm. So, And with he, two back-to-back knee surgeries, who knows what that could do to a player. Right. But I will say, though, Triple J, Jaron Jackson Jr. and the Grizzlies, reigning depoy. Xavier Tillman proved yep. he is a very serviceable player. They'll be all right. And mm-hmm. maybe they'll go out and get someone else. Santi Almada has been I am all, thing. all in, which we'll talk about today. I am all in on the Grizzlies not being a top two seed. Maybe not top three, but I think they're going to be all right without John yeah. Morant for 25 games. But speaking of that, as you can tell by the title of the show today, let's get into our Western Conference final standings predictions, just like we did last week. Our predictions for what the entire, from 15 to 1, in the Western Conference will look like mm-hmm. at by the end of the second week of April when the playoffs start in 2024. So let's start off. We're going to be doing it a little bit differently. So I kind of have like sections I want to talk about where I could see it fluctuating a little bit or just different areas I want to discuss. But we're pretty much going to do out of the play-in, play-in, and then, of course, the regular playoff teams, just like we did last week. I just have a little bit of different things I want to bring together to make my point a little more clear. So we'll start off with Jamie, because his is not confusing like mine. We'll start off with the teams out of the play-in for Jamie. All right, let's get started. At my 15 seed, I'm going to start off with the Utah Jazz. And going into the preseason, I would not have said the Jazz were going to be the worst team in the Western Conference, but I saw some things from a certain rookie out in San Antonio that made me kind of change my mind. So in my opinion, the West got a lot better, and I think the Jazz suffered. Uh, I just don't think they made enough moves to get a lot better. They got some rookies in the draft, but I don't think that's going to be enough to win them a ton of games. Laurie Markkinen was an all-star last year, but what if that was a one-year wonder? He, this was really his first great year in the NBA and in years previous with Chicago and Cleveland. We never really saw this out of Laurie Markkinen. So I'm really hoping this isn't a one-year wonder because Markkinen's awesome. He's one of the most dynamic players in the NBA, standing at seven foot tall. He could shoot the rock from 30 feet out. But I just don't think their roster is as stacked as everyone else's. I have them going 29-51, and 51, which is only a three-game difference from my 14 seed, which is the San Antonio Spurs. And this is because Victor Webanyama looks like something made from a lab. He has been unbelievable in the preseason and could win this team some games basically on his own. I've seen some incredible things, especially against Golden State. He had that four-block game. Andrew Wiggins was guarding him and could not do anything. He's been surprising me how yeah. good he's been. Offensively and defensively, Webanyama is a monster. However, in such a loaded conference and not a ton of talent on the team, I still have him sitting at 14. I like Devin Vassell. They just extended him. Uh, Keldon Johnson, solid. But, I mean, they also just extended Zach Collins as well, but that's not enough to win a whole lot of games. Uh, so I have him sitting at the 14 seed. Wemanyama, though, that's my Rookie of the Year pick. I'm sticking with that. 13, I have the Houston Rockets. Um, another title – I have them being a title contending team in the future, but they're extremely young right now, uh, younger than the Blazers. Jabari Smith could be in for a phenomenal year this year. He was another guy that looked phenomenal in both the summer league and the preseason. I think he's going to be a baller. Hoping he makes that sophomore jump. I love the additions of Cam Whitmore and Eamon Thompson in the draft as well. However, the Western Conference, I'm going to keep saying it, is stacked. Yeah, There is so much talent. Like We'll, we'll get into it later, but... You know how in the East we had a couple, we had one team with 60 plus wins, mm-hmm. and then we had a few teams with like 55 plus wins. I have none yep. of the teams in the Western Conference getting more than four, 54 wins. That's my highest. Yeah, uh, mine's I think it's 53. It's so much more competitive. Yeah, it, it's a extremely tight conference. So there's 
there's not really a big difference between like the 15 and the 10 seed. Um, it's just that side of a conference. So I got mm-hmm. Houston at 13. Cool. You can go ahead. 12, I have the Portland Trailblazers at 35 and 47. A very young team that could be a title contender in five years, much like the Houston Rockets. Second overall pick, Scoot Henderson, point guard out of G League Ignite, will have a very solid rookie campaign. Uh, and Shaden Sharp, one of my favorite players in the NBA, the shooting guard who has a 45-inch vertical jump, could average 18 points per game in his sophomore campaign. I think he's going to get a huge jump in minutes, Definitely. and he's going to have a very increased role. And then they also added guys like Robert Williams and DeAndre Ayton, who will be solid, but I just think it's too early for the Blazers right now. A lot of young talent. The bench isn't really there. Anthony Simons is great. He was cool with Damian Lillard. I mean, Malcolm Brogdon is your sixth man. Yeah, but do you think they keep him the entire year? Uh, I mean, as of right now, it sounds like he wants to be there. Yeah. Just from so, his interviews. Again, that's a really good team at 12, 35 and 47, but 11. I have one of my favorite players in the NBA who would be an MVP candidate had he had a better team around him, and that's Luka Doncic and the Dallas Mavericks sitting at the 11 seed. Just the lack of depth and clashing personalities is going to hurt this team. Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving is a lethal combo, one of the best duos in the NBA, but their defense is lackluster, and they have a very small supporting cast. If they're going to win some games, they need guys like Grant Williams, who they just acquired from Boston, and Jaden Hardy, rookie last year, who could be sixth man of the year this year. They're going to need to have a big jump, substantial contributors, if this team wants to make it any higher than the 11 seed so I have a eight game difference between the five and the 11 but 11 through 13 is five very 11, very 15 and 11 I'm sorry yeah 15 and 11 so Dallas they have Luke and Kyrie but it's so not how, how many wins you got the Jazz winning uh Jazz I have a 29 51 okay and how many was your 10 11 seed sorry 37-45. Okay. So it's an eight game difference so let me go through it through my teams out of the play in we actually have the same exact teams in a little bit of a different order. But I'm going to start it off with the lowest tier, the bottom three teams, 13 to 15. At 15, give me the San Antonio Spurs. And I agree with Jamie. Victor Ibanyama has looked good. And the supporting cast isn't as bad as some may say. But I just don't think they're ready to be like a 12th plus seed in the mm-hmm. West yet. I actually have them improving, though. I think, they'll, yes, they'll be the worst team in the Western Conference, but I think they're going to go from 22 wins up to 28. Six wins in the NBA is a lot. Like there was, a, there was some points in this where I was like, we'll talk about it later, but like I think they could win around like 49 games. But then I'm like, it's probably more like 45, which is only a four-game difference, but those four games are really hard. Huge. It's hard to go from 45 wins to near 50. It doesn't seem far, but that's a really hard task to get to. Like the Thunder. They were went 40 and 42 last year. I think they're going to have a positive record. They're going to be close to like 45 wins, but 50 is like a whole other acre to get to. Mm-hmm. So that's the way I look at it with these records. At 14, give me the Utah Jazz. I agree with Jamie. I think they're going to take a step back this year. And a step back in a way that last year they went 37 and 45. This year I have them going 34 and 48. A three-game step back, but I think it mostly seems like a big step back because how hot they started off last year. They started off last year like a top four seed mm-hmm. in the West for like crazy. the first twenty games. They were the top four seed, and they fell back down to earth. And this year, I'm not sure how it's going to play out, but I think they're going to be around the same. I don't have them being too much worse, but I do have them being the 14th seed instead of the 12th seed because I think a lot of the teams in the West got better, and it's a lot more diverse where the talent is like like we mentioned i think anyone from six to one could fluctuate in some respect and i think the same thing applies for 15 to 11 moving on to 13 with the portland trailblazers originally in my power rankings i had them at the bottom of the barrel i probably would have put them at the 15th seed yeah this offseason gave me hope that they might be able to sneak into my second tier that I'll get to in a second of maybe being around a 12th or 11th seed if it all works out. If Scoot Henderson can play rookie of the year, if Jeremy Grant can be that right under all-star player he's kind of been the past four years of his career, if Shaden Sharp can take maybe a little bit of a low-level star jump, if DeAndre Ayton can actually turn into a star, if Robert Williams can actually turn into a low-level depoy candidate, this team might win some games. Mm-hmm. Not games like be a play-in team or a playoff team, but games as I have them winning 36 games. Three more games than last year, but they're without Damian Lillard. And the reason I have them winning more is because Dame was out a lot last year anyways. 
kind of been his entire career, especially the past few years, and they still won 33 games. Yeah. So I think with an intact, healthy, young core, I could see 36 wins. It's probably on the high side because usually things don't work out as good as you know you think up in your head, but I think they'll be all right. And then I have my second tier in the lower tier, and this is between the 12th and the 10th seed. So I'm going to get into my 10th seed, and then we'll move back on to you for your play-in teams. Okay. But the reason why I have this connected is because I can see the teams from 12 to 10 fluctuating. My 12th seed, the Houston Rockets, I could see them being the 10th seed. I could see them sneaking into there. They're all within two games of each other. The Mavericks, they're my 11th seed. I could see them being the 10th seed. Like I said, they're all within two games, but I have to put the Mavericks and Rockets outside of the play-in for this very reason. Young and or inexperienced and or lack of depth. The category that fits the Rockets, young, and they do have experienced guys with Fred Van Vliet, obviously a one-time champ, but I don't think he's enough to really carry them into the play-in. I like Jalen Green, but he's got to prove to me he can be a consistent star. Haven't really done that yet. I love Alperin Shangun. I know you do too, Jamie. Yeah, Shangun's awesome. I think he'll be great, but I don't think he's enough to do anything. He's a great complimentary piece, yeah. but he's not enough to carry you anywhere. What needs to happen for this team to truly jump into a playing spot, Jabari Smith Jr., flourish, like you alluded to earlier. That needs to happen. Yeah. And then the Mavericks. Kyrie, Luka, they, I think they got their bench better. I think they added some good depth pieces. Grant Williams, they got Seth Curry back. I think I like their draft class. I don't think it's enough to beat a team I've been hating on at the Golden State Warriors at 10. I think they're going to be worse this year. Last year they went 44 and 38, nothing crazy. I think this year they'll be under 500 at around 40 and 42 because I believe the bottom half of this conference is also close. And the Warriors, I really want to put them at 11. I really do. But when you got Curry, Clay, and Dre, Andrew Wiggins. Exactly. I have to give them the benefit of the doubt and put them at the lowest possible chance, put them at the 10 seed. Yep. All right, let's move on to my 10 seed. This is where I also have the Golden State Warriors. I have them going 40 and 42. I mean, Steph Curry can 100% lead this team to a higher spot, but with all that age and lack of depth, I think it's harder to go higher. With age comes injuries, and who knows what could happen. Um, I know this Warriors core hasn't really had their fair share of injuries in the recent. I know Klay Thompson had their most recent big injury with that Achilles injury, but they've been fine, especially all of last season. Uh, come playoff time, though, once this team is in that in that mode, they're going to dominate the plan, and they're going to go to the playoffs. There's no doubt in my mind about that. It's what the Warriors do. However, I think this regular season's, regular season's going to be tough for them. They added Chris Paul, but they lost Jordan Poole. And Jordan Poole... Man, he could really flip the switch and turn games upside down. But at the same time, he can go one for 15 and lose them the game. So uh, I like Poole, what Poole brings to the table. He's going to do good in Washington, but I think the Warriors lost out pretty big in getting rid of him. So I have him going 40 and 42. At nine, I'm sorry, Alex, I have the Oklahoma City Thunder going 42 and 40. It's a two-game improvement over what they did last year, and it's only two games out from the playoffs. Um, so again, I'm telling you, this Western Conference is tight. Uh, 42 and 40. It's such a loaded conference, and I think it's hard to put this team higher. Um, I really like SGA, Shea Gozels Alexander, and Josh Giddy, Australian Magic Johnson. Uh, but I think this team is still young. Chet Holmgren had a great preseason. He missed all his entire rookie year, and now he's, I guess, technically a rookie this year because he didn't play at all. But he's yet to show if that skinny frame can hold in the NBA. Um, he played against Victor Webanyama. That was a shootout in the preseason. That was really cool to see. But I don't know. When he hasn't faced Jokic. He hasn't faced Embiid. So I think it's definitely going to be um, interesting to see. 42 and 40, I think, is fair. Moving on to 8, I have the New Orleans Pelicans going 43 and 39, just one game ahead of the Thunder. A team that, when healthy, dominated last season. They were the one seed in the Western Conference. They were great. Zion Williamson can be an all-NBA player if he stays on the court. That's the big question with the New Orleans Pelicans. Who can stay on the court consistently? Because right now, it's nobody. The team is already dealing with a lot of injuries, so let's hope that the Pelicans can stay on a high note this season. They're dealing with injuries with guys like uh, Trey Murphy, Jose Alvarado, Najee Marshall, uh, Brandon Ingram, and Zion Williamson have always proved to be injury-prone. So let's not see that this year because this team could be amazing. Uh, so I have the Pelicans at 43-39. and 39. And at my seven seed, 
I have the Minnesota Timberwolves at 44 and 38, a team with a surefire MVP candidate, in my opinion, in Anthony Edwards. Uh, if Carl Anthony Towns can learn that this is not his team anymore and start playing around Anthony Edwards, great things are going to happen. They just signed Jade McDaniels to that big extension. I think that was well worth it, like we explained earlier. Uh, Rudy Gobert had a great preseason. He was blocking a ton of shots. Looked like the Rudy Gobert of old in Utah. Uh, I'm loving what this team's doing. I have them actually with the same record as my sixth seed uh, in the playoffs, but I think the sixth seed is going to win that season series and sneak into the playoffs. So Minnesota, I think at seven is very fair. I think they're definitely going to be in the playoffs, though. Alrighty, getting into my category three with the rest of the three play-in teams plus the sixth seed in the playoffs. Starting off at the ninth seed, and again, I have these categories because I could see any of these teams within the categories I'm talking about it talking about fluctuating. So I got the four teams being the Pelicans at nine, the Timberwolves at eight, the Thunder at seven, and the Grizzlies at six. Okay. The reason why I have the Pelicans at nine is a lot like Jamie said, injuries. They easily could be that sixth seed where the Grizzlies are, but injuries and always a question mark of who is going to be on the court at the same time together. Mm -hmm. I don't know the exact stat, but if I had to guess, CJ McCollum, B.I., and Zion, they were probably on the court maybe 12 games yeah. altogether. Like, if you know, that. If yeah. that, maybe. You know what I mean? So that's the question mark that for everyone, logically, that's what knocks them down. The eighth seed, the Timberwolves. If Nick was here, he'd probably have them in the top four probably would yeah like we did last year though we were huge believers in them but they failed us so i gotta put them at eight before i can see what they do because they proved to us last year they proved us wrong what are they gonna do this year yeah so i'm gonna go with what they did last year now i will say anthony edwards i think will take a step up i don't believe in him as much as um nick definitely does jamie definitely believes in him a lot not that i don't believe in him i just don't see an mvp level jump this year yeah Rudy Gobert and Cat have looked nice. They look like they have been complementary pieces together versus last year, not at all. In the preseason, they looked pretty good. They handled the Mavericks in the first two preseason games and embarrassed them out in the Middle East, wherever that game was. I think it was Saudi Arabia or yeah. something like that. But then at seven, I'm not going to say my Oklahoma City Thunder because I'm not a Thunder fan, but I'm a big <laughs> SGA fan. And I'm a big fan of this young core, and I truly believe in them. And I don't think I have any bias in saying this. Jamie, tell me if I'm wrong, but I know you don't agree with me fully, but I just believe in this young core so much. I love <clears throat> Mark Dagnall. I think he can win Coach of the Year, just even being the seventh seed. Because yeah. I think they're going to flip their record from being sub-500 to around 43-44 wins. Mm -hmm. And I don't think out of all these teams in my tier here, my tier three, the Thunder probably my last pick to jump into that sixth seed because of inexperience and lack of star, proven star power besides yeah. SGA. Giddy could turn into a star. Chet Holmgren could turn into a star. But proven star power, it's just SGA versus the Grizzlies, Timberwolves, and Pelicans having surefire, etched in stone, proven star power. But I just think the Thunder are going to have a fantastic regular season in this tough Western Conference. 44 wins in this tough Western Conference, in my mind, is fantastic. Mm. What do you think about the Thunder? Yeah, like I was saying, I have them at 42 wins, which is right outside of what you're thinking. And I, I completely agree with what a lot of you are saying. I think the Pelicans could fall when it comes to the injuries. Uh, I think what if Anthony Edwards doesn't prove to be that MVP guy? I could see the Timberwolves falling. And I think Mike Diagonal and the Thunder can 100% make that jump up to the seven seed. They have a lot to prove. Uh, Shea Gildas-Alexander was fantastic last year. He was an MVP candidate. And I think he could do it again this year. And then you have other role-playing guys like both Jalen Williams and then Chet Holmgren, who's finally going to play on the court and Luguenz Dort who was one of the top defenders in the NBA it's all there for the Thunder I'm not sure if it's going to be this year because I think those guys still need a year to kind of mesh especially with Chet coming in but I mean they're so young there's a lot to look forward to with all those draft picks too right. uh, off the Paul George and Russell Westbrook and all those moves there's a lot they could do and then my final team in my tier three here just outside of the play-in in the playoffs like I said this could fluctuate is the Memphis Grizzlies I wanted to put them higher. I'm a huge lover of everything the Grizzlies have done this offseason, besides John Morant doing what he did to himself, yeah. getting himself suspended. If he wasn't suspended, I'd probably put the Grizzlies at one. Wow. And I think they could be that one team in the Western Conference to get more than 55 wins. Okay. But since John Morant is out for more than a quarter of the season, I don't think they're necessarily going to struggle. But I think they're not going to be able to obviously be as dominant. But I think having Marcus Smart, Derrick Rose, 
holds that down with the guard position fantastically. I think Desmond Bain could jump up and average instead of 22 points per game, damn near 28 points per game. I think Triple J, of course, will hold down the paint. Yes, the injury like we talked about previously with Steven Adams hurts the low post game. But when you got Tillman, who's a proven backup center, I think they'll be all right. But at the end of the day, they're without John Morant. So realistically, I can't have them winning more games than I did last year. Mm -hmm. So I had to knock them down a little bit. Last year, they won 51 games. This year, I have them winning 46 games. Not a huge dip. But as you'll see next, after Jamie goes, when I come back to me, my five through three, they're like about as neck as neck as neck and neck can be. Yep. So that's why I can't put them <clears throat> any higher where the Grizzlies, if they had John Morant, they'd clear everyone, but they don't. All right, let's move on to my playoff teams. And number six, Alex just talked about him. It's the Memphis Grizzlies. I have them going 44 and 38. Same record as the Timberwolves, however. I think Memphis gets the better of the Timberwolves in the regular season, wins out the season series, and I think the Grizzlies secure that playoff spot. Uh, being without star point guard John Moran for 25 games is not as bad as people think. They had a higher win percentage without him last year than they did with him. Uh, and with Marcus Smart on the team now, that is phenomenal. He's one of the yes, top, if not the best defender in the NBA on the perimeter, of course. You said Drew Holiday last week. I'm saying one of. Okay. I mean, it's definitely one of Drew All Holiday right. or Marcus Smart. As a Celtics Smart. fan here, pick one. I'm going to go Marcus Smart because he has the award. Okay. He has the deploy. Okay. So I, I'll, I'll go with Smart. Valor. He's Mr. Celtics, so. Um, so I'm going to go with Smart as a top defender. And then you have Derrick Rose, who has a lot to play for, uh, backing him up. I think it'll be interesting to see how he does. We haven't seen him play a ton in the last two, three years. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's going to be very fun to see what D. Rose has left in him, especially because people call John Morant baby D. Rose. Um, I love it. I love that he's there. Yeah. He's more of the leader, especially when John mm -hmm. Morant comes back, but I love it. That's very fun to watch. I'm, I, I would love to see how Derrick Rose does. Uh, so I have him at 44 and 38. I do think John Morant's going to harm them. Um without John Moran. I think it's going to harm them. Uh, I don't know if they're going to be the one seed with John Moran if they had him all season. I could see a top three, but I think six for right now is fair. You want to save your, once you get to the top two, and we can just discuss those? The top two? Okay. All right, at five, I have the Los Angeles Lakers. Mm, that's far 46 down. and 36. Uh, I have a one-game difference between them and four. Two-game difference between them and three. Yeah, so it's it, basically again, what it is. It's yeah. how it's going to be. Another team who could be much higher. Uh, they made great free agent acquisitions with uh, Jared Vanderbilt, who they got last year. They uh, they signed what's his name, Austin Reeves, who had a breakout year last year. It's going to be interesting to see how many games LeBron James plays. Since he can sit out with no repercussion because of the new CBA, he is one of the players that can sit out whenever he wants. Um, but even without him, this team can win a ton of games. Austin Reeves could be a most improved player candidate. Uh, I would like to see how many games Anthony Davis could stick out. He's one of the most injury-prone players of all time. Um, and it definitely harms the Lakers not having their all-NBA center. Uh, but again, it's going to be a very tough conference because even without AD and LeBron, they have pieces to win games. That's what I was going to say. The reason why when we come to me, I have them a little higher is because <laughs> I think they've built their bench enough. Obviously, you cannot replace what LeBron and AD do on the court. Yeah. But if they have to miss, not significant time, but miss a week here and there, mm -hmm. I think they have enough young firepower plus great depth that they can win games. Yeah, 100%. Uh, I mean, guys like Christian Wood, who was a all fringe all-star at one point, uh, is their backup center, which is crazy. Um, so that's why I have the Lakers at five. I just think the Los Angeles Clippers just edged them out with one game ahead. Uh, I think they're one of the top rosters in basketball, but health is wealth. When healthy, this team could win 55 or more games, but can Kawhi stay on the court? Kawhi Leonard, one of the all-time great basketball players, top 25 of all time in my opinion. The six foot seven now playing power forward this season, which is a little weird. Um, he has always had a struggle staying on the basketball court, but when he does play, he's an absolute game changer. And when you add Fresno State legend Paul George on top of that and Russell Westbrook, who had a much better season with the Clippers than he did the Lakers, mm -hmm. um, he meshes way better with that crew. Um, it really benefited the Clippers, that Westbrook move. And you have guys like Terrence Mann who are still developing. He's going to be great. 
Bones Highland, who I think, because he's only, what, 22, 23? He's young. Yeah, they were calling him mediocre when he was in Denver, but he was young. He goes to the Clippers, and now he gets to learn from guys like Kawhi and Westbrook. I think it's going to benefit Bones Highland, and I think he's going to be a very solid six-man. So um, I think the Clippers have a lot to prove. I really like Tyron Lue. He's a great coach. Um, so I, that's why I have the Clippers one game ahead at 47 and 35. Uh, the four seed. You like Mike Budenholzer too, right? Oh yeah, yeah. 100%. <laughs> uh, number three, I have the Phoenix Suns, 49 and 33. I mean, come on, you guys know how much I love Kevin Durant. One of the best big threes in basketball with KD, Devin Booker, and Bradley Beal, who they just acquired from the Washington Wizards in the offseason. He's a multi-time all-star. You could go into him however you want. But can everyone play together the right way? The DeAndre Ayton trade is going to help with the depth on the roster. They traded Ayton away as a part of that Damian Lillard uh, three-team deal to acquire mostly, most notably Grayson Allen, who's one, a, one of the premier yeah, young Nurkic defenders. Nurkic is probably more notable. Oh, yeah, sorry. Uh, Nurkic, too, who is a great substitute for eight and at that center position it's just can he stay healthy uh, but then Grayson Allen who I actually like more because he's going to yeah. come off that bench and really lead that that rotation back there so uh, I think they could very well be better but they have a ton of star power uh, they're undefeated when Kevin Durant plays with Devin Booker so uh, it's definitely going to be fun to watch at 43 and 33 it's where I have them standing but I got two teams ahead I'll let you go though all right, so moving on to my fourth tier here before we get to the top tier with my with our top two teams. The five through three seed, I have them with all the same record on paper. Will they finish with all, with all the same record? Most likely not. I yeah. mean, that'd be very weird. It's very uncommon to see that. But I just couldn't choose who to put at five, who to put at four, and who to put at three. But I will say this. There is a major gap, like a four or five game gap, between the three seed and the two seed. So the teams that are going to be 5 through 3 are the Los Angeles Clippers, the Phoenix Suns, and the Los Angeles Lakers. I have the Lakers at 3, I have the Suns at 4, and the Clippers at 5. But like I said, I have them all finishing with the same record, which won't happen. But that was just me saying is I can't choose. I really can't, and it's really hard to pick. But I have them in the order of Lakers at 3, Suns at 4, Clippers at 5 if I had to pick an order. And here's why. The Clippers... I like them a lot. Russell Westbrook, I think, is going to have a great season. He proved last year that when he was on the Clippers versus the Lakers, a much better fit for what they needed. But Kawhi and PG, health. A lot like the Pelicans. That's why they're knocked down a little bit. I think the Clippers, they don't have that pain as much because Kawhi and PG play more than a lot of the guys on the Pelicans do. But it's also a question mark with the Clippers. Yeah. Can they stay healthy? I like their depth moves this summer. Not as much as Nick does. He's all he's like they have the bench, best bench in the NBA. I don't know about that one, Nicholas. But I do like their bench pieces they added to help bolster them when guys like PG and Kawhi can't play. And then at four, the Phoenix Suns. You got KD, Beal, and Booker. That's enough to be a top four seed. Mm -hmm. Like I put them in the power rankings, that's enough to be a top five in the power rankings. Those three guys by themselves is enough to be a top five in the conference. So that's like obviously one reason, but a better reason, because that's whatever, is I like the Aiton trade kind of. Nurkic spaces the floor. Aiton couldn't really space the floor, and I think this works well. Aiton was kind of clogging the paint, and he, was, he, he plays a very old center role, which is great. I think it might be good for the Trailblazers, but for a team like the Suns, who are going to shoot a lot of threes, having someone like Nurkic, who's not the best three-point shooter, but he can space the floor far superior than DeAndre Ayton can. And don't get me wrong, Ayton has a pretty good mid-range mid shot. He's gotten better at shooting. But Nurkic has been in the league for a while. He's a seasoned vet, and he's not someone who should be a star. Nurkic is a very good center. He's a, better than a role player, but DeAndre Ayton should be a star NBA center. He was a top four pick, and he's not. He hasn't become that yet, and he's probably still working to become that, where Nurkic knows his role as a very good complimentary piece to a very good team, and he'll be that for the Phoenix Suns. I love the Grayson Allen addition as well. I love their entire bench. I think they did all they could to create a fantastic bench with the new CBA, and the same thing goes for my third seed with the Los Angeles Lakers. They have LeBron, AD. They somehow managed to keep Austin Reeves, Rui Hachimura, Vanderbilt, they added Christian Wood, they added Cam Reddish, Torreon Prince, all of these guys. I definitely didn't need to name them all because they added Gabe Vincent. That's a big piece. That's a huge piece. Gabe Vincent was the spark that helped lead the Heat to the finals. He didn't lead them, but he was the spark 
that helped get them there behind Jimmy Butler and Bam and Tyler Hero for, I guess, a second Tyler Hero. But, yeah, go ahead. Uh, fun fact, my barber actually cuts Gabe Vincent's brother's hair. Just thought I'd throw that out there. That's no amazing. reason. That's amazing. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. But, yeah, through the playoff run, I'm going to take back the Tyler Hero thing because he played for a minute in those playoffs. But it was basically Gabe Vincent who took that major jump behind Bam and Jimmy, and now he's with the Lakers. And he's going to be, like, their seventh guy in the rotation versus starting. Like, this is really, really good for Los Angeles Lakers. Mm-hmm. That's why I have them winning tonight in the first game of the season against the Warriors because their depth is impeccable. But it has to all work out. And also another but is that those three teams, it could fluctuate in any way for me. So now the top two, Jamie. Obviously, we both have the Kings and the Nuggets because those are the only two teams we haven't said in the West. But what's your order and why? At two, I'm going to have the Sacramento Kings. Hating on your own team, huh? I mean, I have them as a two seed. Uh, I got called crazy for having them as, like, the six last year. Yeah, but... And they ended up as the three. So I'm going to have them at the two this year. Uh, I have them going 50 and 31. Last year, they finished with 48 wins. Um, I think they suffered no losses to their roster. They did lose Terrence Davis, which was pretty sad, but they replaced him with Chris Duarte from the Pacers, and I think he's a great young shooting guard who could shoot the rock from wherever. They added JaVale McGee, who was that veteran center that I think they needed a lot. And then they added Sasha Vizenkov, who in my eyes is the most underrated signing uh, in for a lot of teams in the NBA. Uh, he was a EuroLeague MVP last year, averaging 28 points a game. Uh, he was fantastic. He's a stretch four. He's going to play the exact same role Keegan Murray does, but off the bench. It's basically like having two Keegan Murrays on the team, and I think that's very lethal. Speaking of Keegan Murray, I think he's going to take a huge jump in the second year. I could see him hitting around 18, 20 points a game. Uh, Murray had a phenomenal rookie season. He set the all-time NBA record for most threes in a season by a rookie, breaking Damian Lillard's record. And that's as a small forward. He's not getting the rock on every possession. So shout out Keegan Murray. He had a phenomenal summer league, phenomenal preseason. He's going to dominate. I think he's going to take a huge jump. And and the reason I have him over teams like the Lakers, who improved a ton last year, is because the Kings won their season series against the Lakers last year 3-1. And I think they could do it again. The Kings don't need superstars to win a ton of games. They have a phenomenal coach in Mike Brown. They have De'Aaron Fox and Sabonis, who were third-team All-NBA last year. And I think they could do it again. I could see De'Aaron... Las Vegas has De'Aaron Fox as having higher odds to win MVP than both Zion Williamson and LeBron James, which is pretty crazy when you think about it, but I love De'Aaron Fox, and I think he has all tools to do it. He doesn't get hurt. Yeah, he doesn't get hurt. Uh, Yeah, knock on wood, but De'Aaron Fox has never had an injury in his career. Knock on wood again. I don't want to, you know, double jinx it, but he's one of the best slashers. he did. He is the best slasher to me in the NBA. Uh, He does it all, one of the best mid-range shooters. And then Sabonis is mini Jokic. It's crazy. Mm. I love this Kings roster. I think they improved. They had the coach of the year last year, and I think it's going to work out well and have them going 50 wins. But at my one seed, I have the Denver Nuggets, the reigning NBA champions led by the horse racer himself, Nikola Jokic. Coming off of a championship, they still have got the best player in the NBA. And they have Jamal Murray, who showed out a ton last year in the playoffs. He's one of the best all-time playoff performers I've ever seen. He was crazy in the bubble. He was crazy last year. He's phenomenal. Um, the roster is going to be great. However, they did lose guys like Bruce Brown um, and who Jeff Green, like we were talking about earlier. But I think their young guys are going to fill that in well. Guys like Peyton Watson and Christian Brown. I think just they're going to be just fine. Yeah, Christian Brown I mean, had Christian a very good Brown, playoff yeah, series. Peyton Watson, like we expect yeah. him to take a major jump when he didn't have a major role last That's year. That's what their GM said. He's, he said Peyton Watson right now is better than Bruce Brown, which the GM was kind of hating on a lot of their guys. He said that Bones Highland and MPJ are both ball hogs um, but we're gonna disregard that I hope the Kings beat the, the Nuggets and become the one seed but I gotta be realistic I think the Nuggets are gonna edge them out just by a little bit I'm going 53 and 29 um, and I, that's my standings Denver at one Sacramento at two go Kings light the beam I think you're being unrealistic Jamie because as you know I have the Kings at one and yep. I have the Nuggets at two the that's lack of depth for the, for the Denver Nuggets won't hurt them to the fa- to the point of being out of the top two, top three, they're still going to be a very good team, the Denver Nuggets. And they're probably going to be the team that makes it to the Western Conference Finals and has the best chance to get out of the West like they did last year. But losing Bruce Brown and Jeff Green is a lot. Yep. After the two guys you just mentioned off their bench, Zeke, Naji, a few other guys, there's a lot of randoms. Yeah. I mean, they still got Reggie Jackson. They brought in Justin Holiday. But Justin Holiday is not... He's been in the league forever. Yeah, but he's not a, like, 
not a he's huge not contributor. Like a huge contributor. Yeah. So after the guys I just mentioned, Watson, Brown, Reggie Jackson, Najee, who did I miss? Reggie Jackson, Najee, Peyton Brown, Watson. Peyton Watson, Justin Holiday. Yeah. Maybe there's a couple guys here and there I'm missing. They have a very short bench. But they have a great starting lineup. Yeah, exactly. The reason why they're still going to be a top two seed, in my opinion, is because they probably have the most con- cohesive unit of a starting five in the NBA because they just won the damn championship with this exact starting five of Jamal Murray, KCP, MPJ, Aaron Gordon, and Jokic. Mm-hmm. So that's why they're so high is because they have a proven starting lineup that doesn't just work. It's a team that's getting their rings tonight. Yep. So that's why I have them up top. But their bench, I think, will need some additions and some movement by the traded line yeah. to really just... Because the West is so close that I think they're going to have to bolster it up in some way. Because at the end of the day, your starting five can be amazing, but if your bench isn't efficient and sufficient, you're going to lose some games you shouldn't. Yeah. I mean, this Western Conference is so tight. I can literally see the one through the five seed being mixed up in any order. Yeah, a thousand percent. It's crazy. I could see the Clippers being the one, one yeah. seed. I could see it mixing around. I could see the Nuggets being the five seed but, just because of that bench. But the reason why I have the Kings at one, and I do not believe the Kings are Western Conference champions. Sorry, Jamie. Uh-huh. I think they should. I think they should get to the second round this year. But I don't even. I don't think they're going to go to the Western Conference Finals. I mean, it depends how it finishes, and how how it flows. But I do think they'll be the best team in the regular season in the Western Conference because they're young, and they've already proved to be very good. And they won 48 games last year. Out of nowhere. Surprise me. Not you, Jamie, but it surprised me. me. And I'll give you credit for that. You did believe in them, and you were right. But this is the second year of Fox and Sabonis and, you know, Keegan Murray. This core that didn't change, Malik Monk, this is their second year. Kevon Hurt. <clears throat> Excuse me, Kevon Herter. Yeah. This is their second year altogether. After having one successful season, it's only going to get better. But like I said, I don't see them being the best team in the West when it comes to getting to the finals. But regular season, I think they're going to have a lot of fun. They're going to have a lot of big games. They're going to score a lot of points like they did last year. They're gonna, their defense does need to be a little better. Yeah. That was their downfall last year. But with the top two ratings, I believe it was the Celtics and the Kings. I forget who was one, who was two. They still managed 48 wins with... Terrible defense. Mm -hmm. So, if their defense can be better, I don't see why they can't be the best team in the regular season. Yeah, I mean the Kings led the NBA in scoring last year as a team, and I think it was by like two or three points. I'm pretty sure it was a pretty big gap. So I think the Kings are going to do that again. They're going to score a lot of points. And now Keegan Murray's going to be even better. Keegan Murray's insane. And Fox is going to be more cohesive. They brought a lot of pieces on the bench. Chris Duarte could shoot from. That's why I'm bought in on the Kings being the one seed again. I don't think they're going to be the one seed as in going to the Representing finals. Representing the Western Conference, yeah. But regular season, I don't see why they can't, so to speak, run through it. Yeah. With 54 wins, which is very low compared to our Eastern Conference. Yeah, definitely. For me, it's like an eight-game difference, which is insane. But I love I love what you're bringing. Uh, I'm very hopeful that the Kings could be the one seed. Um, I would love for that to happen. But the West, we keep saying it, it's so stacked. I do have one little fear about the Kings, though. Yeah. Is that maybe it was just like a one-year flu? It's definitely could be. I don't think it will be, but the only reason why I fear that is because, yes, De'Aaron Fox and Sabonis proved to be stars, but they don't have, like, that top 10 star that you know is going to be good every night. Yeah. That's my only concern. Like, they don't have one of the top 10, 12 players in the league. You can make an argument that Sabonis is 12. or th- He's around the 12 to 15 range, I'd say, Sabonis. Mm-hmm. But they're a team that is so well-built, so deep, with the best coach from last year, coach of the year, going to be a great coach again this year, that they work so well. They kind of remind me of – they're way better than this, but they kind of remind me of like those Celtics teams with like Isaiah Thomas where they have like a star and they have really good pieces around them. Like you had Al, Al Horford, Isaiah Thomas. But they, they're going to be a great regular season team. Like I, even, I believe the Celtics with Isaiah Thomas were a one seed. But then they saw LeBron James in the Cavs, and, yeah. and they got beat. That's kind of how I view the Kings. I think De'Aaron Fox and Sabonis way better than what that was at that time and that team. But that's kind of how I view it. What do you mm-hmm. think about that? No, I 100% agree. I think the Kings could definitely be a regular season team. I mean, it happened last year. They were the third seed in the Western Conference. They dominated every team they faced. 
And then they faced Stephen Curry, who is one of the all-time great playoff performers, and they took him to seven games, which I got to give the Kings kudos for. You don't really do that with – that was the first time Stephen Curry had ever gone to a um, – I think it was the first time he'd ever gone to a game seven. Uh, or at least been down in a series at some point. No, because, I mean, he's been to plenty of games. So. No, I'm saying there was, like, some weird statistic that Steph Curry had been in some first-ever situation against the Kings. I can't remember exactly it's what it was. the first playoff game against the Kings. Yeah, it well, definitely it was. was. It definitely was. was. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, the Kings will definitely, to me, be a regular season team. I definitely think they're going to win the first round of the playoffs. They have gone through enough pain through Warriors fans, and I think they're going to kind of have some sort of vengeance going into that postseason but uh i don't think they're going to be representing the west in the in the finals there's just too many stars too many experienced playoff performers um and the kings are still young even after this year they're going to have a lot of young pieces uh keegan murray will only be in his third year fox is going to be under a deal sabonis is still under contract there's a lot to look forward to if you're a kings fan and i think this year there's a lot to look forward to as well so um shout out to sacramento i got him as a two seed but they could definitely be that one and that is all we have for you guys this week. Thank you all for tuning in to WVUA 90.7 FM and the Full Court Press Podcast. To stay up to date, follow us on Instagram at fcppodcast underscore UA. See y'all next week. Peace. See ya. The NBA is back, baby. Oh, yeah. WVUA FM, Tuscaloosa.